Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, America. It's Eric Erickson here across the Fruited Plain. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. We're getting closer and closer to the uh, pre-release of my book. If you want to pre-order, I'll send you the link when it's ready to go. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. When we're ready, I'll send it back so you can pre-order my book, Drive Up the Sales. Now, in the last hour, Jay called. He's deeply concerned. Democrats seem to always advance the ball and get things done. The Republicans never seem to herd the cats and make excuses for why they can't get it done. He's deeply frustrated. And, and I've said, we have a more diverse coalition on our side than the Democrats do ideologically. We have a, a wider group of people, moderate conservatives, uh, in, more independent thinking people. It's harder to herd those cats. It's not an excuse. It's reality. Uh, and also, we conservatives have to do a better job of finding people who can advance both against the establishment in primaries and against the Democrats in the general elections. We've got to choose candidates who are conservatives who can win, not just people who tell us what we want to hear, uh, who then can't actually get elected. Uh, my guest is a friend of mine who is going to be running for Congress. The I think it's the third congressional district in Georgia has opened. Drew Ferguson is the incumbent. He's leaving. Uh, decided to retire. And there are going to be a number of people running. And the question is, uh, can we find a conservative who is young enough to stay there for a while and have an impact and also conservative conservative enough to be able to win? Well, it just so happens uh, Philip Singleton was a state representative from that area. Uh, and he was conservative enough and rattled uh, against the leadership in the House of Georgia enough. They redistricted him out of his district to ensure that he couldn't win because he, well, stood up for conservative values that much and was winning. And then he went to Congress to serve as the chief of staff. So he already knows on the ground the training of what it's going to be to be in Congress. He's already proven himself enough of a conservative. The Republican establishment hated him. And he can win the area because he already has. And he joins me. Philip, how are you? Uh, Eric, good to, good to talk to you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great. So, why on earth do you even want to go to the madness of Washington, D.C.? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I've been up here for the last year, and certainly that's a good way to characterize it. But, uh, Eric, you know, uh, America's not broken. Washington is broken, and that's the, that's the big trick that they, the, the media doesn't want to tell you. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've been up here, and I've watched it. I watched it as a state legislator. I've spent my entire life fighting this country, uh, doing three combat tours in the Army, and Look, just too many politicians, they campaign like Spartacus, and then they legislate like Lumiere. And, you know, they're more worried about their path to majority leader than serving the people that elected them. And so there's this huge gap between uh, what the electric wa the electorate wants uh, to be able to accomplish the America First agenda and who we end up sending up to Washington. And, you know, this is my home. It's where I'm from. It's where I've lived my whole life except when I was serving. And, you know, God's opened the doors in the right way, and we have the right amount of experience, and I've worked towards it my whole life. So I think our – 
you know, it's a unique time where we're in a great position to actually advance the America First agenda and fight for liberty. So that's what I'm going to do. Now, you know, I, I keep telling um, my listeners that we, we got to actually vet the candidates because we can nominate all sorts of people and then they can't actually win uh, in the district. But this this is a Republican district and you actually were a member of the state house in this district. And boy, the leadership sure didn't like you in the state house. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, it's the, you know, I advocated for things like Save Girls Sports and School Choice and stopping Medicaid expansion and actually balancing our budget. You know, really crazy fringe things, Eric, that are, you know, exactly in the Republican Party platform. But, the you know, the, there there's forces that be in Atlanta and Washington that just don't, you know, they don't want you to challenge the status quo. and They don't want you to, to fight for what the people want you to fight for. So they're always going to push back. You know, I, I was really fortunate, actually, because. You know, I became good friends with my current boss, you know, Marine pilot, ER Dr. Richard McCormick, now Congressman McCormick, and he saw the fight I was fighting in Atlanta, and, you know, I was helping him run for office, and, and you know, when they drew me out of my district for just doing the right thing, he's like, you know what, just come up to Washington with me and keep fighting, because, you know, I've been in the fight my whole life, and so we've done that the last year, and, you know, I've got his blessing to come down and keep fighting beside him now, uh, hopefully as a congressman, and that's what we're going to do, we're just going to keep fighting for what we believe in. Now let's talk about your military experience because it, it's it's one of the things I think that that sets uh, our side against the left. They for a while uh, the progressives tried very hard to recruit members who had been veterans to go to Congress to take an anti-war stance. They had some success, kind of limited. And in our side, I think we forget that uh, we do have uh, military veterans who want to serve, who've served the country in the military that we can promote to office, and who also kind of understand the the struggles that the military is having right now, particularly with the Biden administration. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, the, our recruitment's down at the abysmal levels. I mean, it's, um, you know, the woke military doesn't work. We need to be ready to fight and win wars. And I learned that in my three combat tours. You know, it's ironic uh, that the difference between being a, a combat uh, Apache pilot and being a legislator is, you know, as an Apache pilot, I always knew who the enemy was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the enemy would shoot at you in the open day and, uh, you know, I was when I was a legislator, I was the most conservative legislator in Georgia. You know, I won awards for Legislator of the Year, and I was a Club for Growth fellow and uh, Georgia Freedom Caucus. I launched that in 2021. And so you would think, like, man, this is a guy that, uh, you know, the, the Republican Party would love and, and the people in the district love me. But, uh, man, when you vote against the budget or you turn down, uh, you know, the wrong the wrong checks from, from people that uh, are trying to, to, to influence you, it, it really doesn't sit well with people. And. Uh, it's amazing how quickly it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. It's all about just, uh, you know, playing along with the game. Yeah, uh, it, there's there's got to be a, a deep level of frustration there. Uh, but, I mean, in, so now let, let, let me just, just frame this with the conversation I had with the caller Jay earlier. He's deeply frustrated with the Republicans not being able to advance any meaningful changes in Washington. And, and I hear this a lot from conservatives who call in and say, well, the Democrats always fight and get what they want and, and they keep everyone in line and the Republicans don't. And I, I know part of it is the incentive structure, but I mean, let, let's just take the, the border fight and, and the spending resolution. I mean, how do you see this shaping up in Washington? I mean, the, look, the, the the complaint makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's how a lot of people feel. Um, you know, it's also like the Republican Party. It's a bunch of people that think independently. It's almost like hurting cats. You know, the hard part for someone that's, that's trying to bet candidates is um, are they going to do what they say they're going to do? 
You know, are they going to come up and they're going to fight for, you know, our debt is seriously out of control. Our debt servicing is over a trillion dollars a year now. You know, we're only a decade and a half away from, you know, the revenue that the general, uh, that the government gets not being enough to just service the debt. So, Eric, that's a crisis. And so the question is, you know, we've got all these politicians that run for office and they acknowledge the crisis. Even on the left, they're acknowledging the crisis at the border. They're just not willing to do anything about it. Uh, and so you got to remember that the voters want to put it on, on the party, and to that extent I understand their complaint. But Republicans have the House. The Senate is controlled by the Democrats, and the White House is controlled by the Democrats. So we've got one of the most conservative speakers we've ever had in Mike Johnson. And you know, I don't like the debt deal that they've got public that, that they're working on right now. It's it's not a good deal for us. Uh, but he has to work with the, the Democrats, and we've got to elect more conservative warriors are going to go to D.C. and are going to do what they said they're going to do. And I just want to make something clear too: um, having a proven track record matters. You know, having the courage to stand up there and and vote no on something that's bad matters. Uh, sometimes in government, the stuff you can stop is almost as important as the things you get past. So there's a lie about being effective, but you also don't. To, you know, kind of like my current boss, you don't. You don't have to call people names. You don't have to shout and stand on the rooftops. It's not about fighting people. It's about fighting bad policy. The bad. The bad policy is the enemy. Amen to that. Yeah. So now. Having said all that, heading into Washington, D.C., obviously, Republicans, we need to pick up the Senate as well. Whether Biden wins or not, hopefully not. We have a Republican in the White House, have have unified government, House, Senate, White House under Republican leadership. Let, let's say you get the ideal scenario. You, you We keep the House and increase our numbers. We pick up the Senate. We win the White House. Uh, what, what's the big thing you want to tackle? It's got to be debt. It's got to be automatic spending. Uh, it's the things that nobody wants to talk about because they're the things that the people are worried they're not going to get reelected if they do it. You know, I'm a, I believe in term limits and balanced budget amendments. If we could get those passed, it'd be transformative to government. But uh, good luck getting enough people in Washington that are willing to sign themselves out of a job. Uh, that's again, that's Eric. That's why records matter. You got to look at the way people have voted. Uh, don't work. Don't listen to what they say they are on the campaign trail. If they've got evidence in their background, you need to look at the way they voted. Um, okay, so, so I, it, no, it, let me yeah. let me stop you real quick because I, I can you explain this to people because because I have but coming from you who's you you've been in the state legislature you're now a chief of staff in Congress explain the automatic increases to people. So you you probably have heard of it as mandatory spending. Mandatory spending is is not an accurate term because there's nothing in Washington that's mandatory. You know we have an appropriations process where we track past twelve appropriations budgets. Uh, we are, uh, excuse me, appropriations bills. We haven't done that in, I think, like eight, nine years. I mean, it hasn't happened in a very long time. Um, but stuff like Social Security, um, there, there's a, about three quarters of the federal budget is what's called mandatory spending. The trick is, Eric, it's not mandatory. It's automatic, and there's a difference because we can go in and we can amend those things in a responsible way to make sure that they're solvent. But what's happening is – uh, both the you've got conservative Republicans who run on the campaign trail like the conservative, but in their whole time in the legislature, they've never opposed an appropriations bill. They've never voted no on a budget. And you've got the Democrats that they're, they're playing Russian roulette, just hoping that the defaults occur when the other team is in charge, because then when the defaults occur, automatic cuts go into effect in those automatic spending categories, which will make us solvent automatically. And they're going to be painful. Talking about you know ten to fifty percent cuts in Medicare, depending on the timing and the amounts, and 
and Social Security and other things and like seriously damaging things to, to our country and our economy. Uh, and it's it's a game of brinksmanship because if the other guy's in charge at the time, you can blame them and allow the automatic cuts to just fix themselves. And so the biggest thing, I, the takeaway for you and your listeners, Eric, is uh, if somebody starts talking to you about mandatory spending, I would probably flip the channel because they're already being misleading and, and not honest about what the real problems are. There's no, there's nothing in our government that is mandatory. Works for me. Uh, yeah, I just it, it's it's phenomenal to me that we've structured the system where if you don't do your job, everybody gets rewarded by spending increases. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. All right. So uh, you're running for Congress in Georgia on the ballot this year. You'll qualify. There'll be a primary. Uh, where can people go to find out more about your campaign? Yes, sir. At singletonforcongress.com. Um, you know, we've got Harrelson to Henry County, down to Upson, over to Muskogee, the entire southwest portion of Atlanta there. Uh, it's my home. It's where I'm from. They, they they like America First Agenda. They like fighters that are willing to go up there and do what they say they're going to do. Uh, I need as much support as we can get, so come check us out, and uh, we're fighting for the people in the George Third. Well, good luck to you. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, anytime, Eric, and I look forward to my free book. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I I will send you a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Philip Singleton, uh, running for Congress in Georgia. Y'all, you say you want conservatives who can put points on the board. He was an Apache helicopter pilot in the Middle East in in combat. He went to the state house. Uh, He was willing to oppose Republicans' big spending. He was willing to fight for school choice. He was willing to fight against uh, boys and girls sports. They redistricted him out of his district to defeat him because the voters kept reelecting him. Now it's time to send him to Congress to be a congressman. Philip Singleton, you, you, want a, you want a conservative fighter who can win. He has won in this area of the state repeatedly, and they had to, to rearrange the, the, the chairs to get him out of, to get him out of his seat. Uh, we got to send him to Congress where he's willing to stand up. He's already proven himself. One, he's able to win, and two, He's able to stand up for what he believes in, even against his own side. And three, he's a veteran in combat. He's willing to take on the fight. So we need people like that in Congress. Philip Singleton. When the world seems crazy, he'll keep you sane. It's the Eric Erickson Show. You can be live on Eric's show by calling 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Thanks to Philip Singleton kicking off his campaign launch on the show. Um, I'm a big fan of his. We've been friends for a while. I'll never forget how the Republican establishment in Georgia aligned to draw him out of his district because he was a thorn in their side, um, poking holes on other arguments. Uh, One of the big issues there was the uh, Republican leadership in Georgia for the longest time didn't take the trans issue seriously. And so there were efforts to prohibit uh, boys from being in girls' locker rooms. And the prior speaker, now deceased, uh, David Ralston, um, didn't think it was a big deal, didn't support it. Um, er, and Singleton fought for it and regularly got punished for, for standing up for these things. But, uh, my gosh, the guy is so solid. Um, we need somebody like that. Now, i got to bring you all a little bit of an update the Fonnie Willis matter. She's the prosecutor against Donald Trump in Fulton County, Georgia. I started the show yesterday telling you that a one of the defendants in that case is accusing her of appointing uh, Nathan, uh, what's his name, Wade, the, 
the special prosecutor. He has no uh, RICO experience, but apparently they're in a relationship. They're in a relationship um, while he's married, going through a divorce, apparently been having an affair, uh, according to the allegations. Well, now Nathan Wade's wife sent a process server to the Fulton County uh, DA's office and subpoenaed Fawny Willis and ordered her to come testify in the divorce case. My goodness gracious, you, you want to talk about all the Trump stuff and Trump behavior. This, If these allegations are true, it, it totally undermines her case. She put her boyfriend in charge, possibly benefited by the amount of money she was paying him. Um, hard to prosecute that case moving forward. Just, just the fatal hubris of these people uh, when they get a hold of power. And you know the irony here is that still less corruption than the old prosecutor that she beat and replaced. I was explaining this to somebody the other day that as bad as this is, and it's bad, if true, still less corrupt than the old guy. Good gracious, Fulton County, maybe instead of suing Donald Trump for corruption, y'all should clean up your own house. Good grief. All right, I got to move on. But first, I got to tell you about Old Glory Bank, oldglorybank.com. A couple of you asked me questions yesterday about FDIC and all that. Yes, this is an, a real bank, uh, FDIC insured, all of that. You can get checkings accounts, savings accounts. You can get loans from them, everything. You can set up an account in eight minutes or less online at oldglorybank.com. I know because I've done it. This actually is my bank. I've got my checking account and my savings account with them, uh, and they're good people. It is a great bank. Uh, I love to have an online bank. I don't have – I've never run into problems having, like, no branches in, in my area to go to. You can do everything online. Uh, they make it easy now, even with checks. In, in many cases, you can use certain ATMs to deposit checks that, that are honored by the bank. Uh, it, it really is just a phenomenal bank. Uh, my family is using this bank for our checking and savings. Uh, I believe in them, and it's nice to do business with people who share my values who I don't have to worry about getting canceled by the bank because they're never going to cancel conservatives. Oldglorybank.com, great people, great bank, oldglorybank.com. He's got the courage to tell you the truth because the truth is what matters. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Well, I, I, I see my buddy Sam Feist. He's standing next to Nikki Haley getting her ready. Sam is the Washington bureau chief for CNN, one of the people who hired me when I was at CNN. Um, he working with Nikki Haley. They're bringing in Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis to uh, go through the debate prep for tonight, what it's going to be like on stage, how they're going to argue. I, I'm, I'm interested in uh, seeing how this debate goes. And of course, they'll be competing against Donald Trump. Fox News allowing Donald Trump uh, back on set for the first time in a long time, uh, e engaging with him. Now, all of this comes, there's an interesting piece today about the, the lay of the landscape GOP. Jonathan Martin is a uh, political writer. He's the senior political columnist and uh, bureau chief of politics for Politico. He started out at National Review. He's moved into the mainstream media. Jonathan Martin has this piece, and it, it is worth all of us paying attention to this. The headline in his column is, Why Nikki Haley Won't Break Through. Essentially writing off her bid in Iowa. And his point is that the divide in the Republican Party right now is between people and really in American politics is people with college degrees and people without. 
I struggle, this is him writing, I, I struggled to find a single attendee in the suburban strip mall tavern who was not a college graduate. Similarly, the day before, I couldn't find a Haley admirer who showed up to see her in Sioux City who was not also a college graduate. She's reasonable, Jim Maino, a walkie resident, said of Haley. Originally, I was favoring DeSantis, but he just hasn't connected. Maine is no use for Trump, calling him a jilted junior high boyfriend who makes up names for people. A retiree, Maine was an accountant for an insurance company, pretty standard around here, he put it, of Dallas County. Now, none of his neighbors who voted for Trump the last couple of times are voting for him again. If it all sounds like a wind-up to a sort of cul-de-sac Pauline Kaleism, Pauline Kale is the woman who said she couldn't believe Nixon won in 72 because she didn't know anybody who voted for him. Because I don't want anyone in our home uh, in our homeowners association voting for Trump. I don't know anyone in our homeowners association vote for Trump. Well, that's the defining story of the Republican Party today. The GOP's traditional professional class base is eager to move on from somebody they find between embarrassing and appalling, but the party's beating heart is now Trump-loving working-class voters. The old Republican construct of establishment versus conservative, one that DeSantis in particular is operating under as he runs, is about as relevant to the Trump era as the BlackBerry. The most consequential fault line in this race and in GOP politics broadly is based on class. That's how Democratic primaries have been covered, and rightly so, for the last 40 years. The candidate able to emerge as the beer track hopeful among almost always emerges as the nominee, while the wine track hopeful is limited to the Pinot sipping precincts. The race this time is scarcely different. Haley and DeSantis are largely competing for the votes of Iowa's upscale voters. DeSantis was in Waukee last week, while Trump is on course to roll with the overwhelming support of blue-collar Iowans. It is, of course, a delicate topic anywhere, but even more so with voters who pride themselves on being Iowa nice. Now, I don't have to go on here. He, he's actually right in this divide. But the irony here is that the base voters of the Republican Party still see it as establishment versus uh, conservative. The number of Trump supporters I know who call people establishment, who are actually uh, aggressively hardcore conservatives, is kind of ironic considering Trump's the leader of the party. There, there's If you're the leader of the party, you are the establishment. And yet Trump's voters see themselves as the outsiders, not the insiders, when they kind of rule the roost. And the truth is that the great divide in this country is between college-educated and non-college-educated. And a majority of Americans now lack a college degree. There is a difference, and you do have to be careful about this. Non-college-educated voters is not non-college-educated Republicans. The, the working class, so to speak, it's not uniformly lined up behind uh, Trump, but a lot of them are moving so. And I don't think Democrats appreciate this, that a lot of people who do not have college degrees in this country are really disdainful of the fact that they have to pay for the people with college degrees. Look at the look at the student loan bailout. A majority of Americans who don't have college degrees are being told you must pay for the college degree of the person who got a women and gender studies degree. Who really thinks that's right? And the Democrats did that. Then the Democrats have in large part by doing so help lock themselves in with these college-educated voters, particularly upper-income, white, secular, college-educated voters. There's a church divide in here, too. But this goes into that New York Times story I was talking to you about the other day where they finally, it's dawned on them, saying, uh, hello, it turns out that 
people who call themselves evangelicals and don't go to church vote differently from people who call themselves evangelical and do go to church. The the, the latter are more populist or, or more conservative, the former more populist. The the latter don't necessarily care for Trump as much as the, the former. The ones who call themselves Christians and never go to church are bigger fans of Donald Trump than the ones who call themselves Christians and go to church. These divides are taking place at a moment of upheaval in the country, and it's not just the Republican Party because it's happening in the Democratic Party too. The problem is that the press is so myopically on the side of the Democrats, they never see this happening. And it actually is something that, that is it, it's worth talking about. And frankly, even as a guy who does a talk radio show, you've got to be mindful of, this, of these sorts of divides in the country. If you're just talking to the upper-income, college-educated people, you're talking to a minority of people. And it used to be the Republicans were the ones who had mostly the college-educated crowd. So what, what happened? Well, the more people get degreed, the more progressive they become these days, the less common sense they have. Now, I don't know about you, but in my experience, the guy who never went to college and who busts his butt on a daily basis tends to have way more common sense than the person who decided to go get their doctorate degree in whatever it is outside of medicine. I know a lot of people with PhDs who live fantastic lives, and I don't know that they relate to the world around them. It's like the billionaires. I I actually have gotten to know a number of people, like baseballers. I know a number of people who own baseball teams in the country. Now, look, I I make a good living, but I am by no means a millionaire, let alone a billionaire. But in my my role, having run campaigns and then run redstate.com and been a political pundit and been on Fox and and doing a talk radio show, you you meet people. I've met billionaires. I know some. I'm actually friends with some. They live in a completely different world from you and me. It is weird. It is very weird. You can understand how so often, like in Scripture, uh, there it's a rich person is not necessarily going to hell, but it seems to be a whole lot easier for a rich person to go to hell. They, they worship their money. It, it is a weird world these people live in, and, and they rely on people. Like, for example, I'll, I'll give you a, a true story. I was one time supposed to have a meeting with a guy, and the meeting got canceled because his favorite chef was opening a restaurant in Hong Kong, and he and his wife decided they wanted to go to opening night, and so they just got on their plane and flew to Hong Kong for a dinner date. Who does that? I mean, I, I, I got I to gotta say, I'm impressed. I was very impressed, but wow, you and I can't do that. I mean, I struggled to get my wife out of the house to go to McDonald's. She'd rather be home. I don't really blame her. People are stupid these days. We'll be out and about. People forgot how to drive. But it's this this weird world. And more and more of those people have moved to the Democratic side. Although there is this weird offshoot that I find very funny of these self-made, really super wealthy people who've decided they identify with the working class because their roots are from that. They see themselves as that, and and they're not. I mean, they've got like the beach house, the mountain house, the regular house, the the apartment in New York City, the apartment in Washington – and their own private plane, and yet they they act like they're from the working class. It's it's kind of funny. But Republicans also do have to come to terms with this, and it does cause a shift in the party. And I'll tell you where this leads me is there is an opening in this country. If you listen to the Democrats, you listen to the talking heads on TV, 
they want a they, they want a new party and they want a new party that is is uh fiscally responsible but socially liberal there's not a path for that sort of party in this country there's not I'm a small government guy. I believe in limited government. I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm an evangelical. I believe that the we're all sinners, so the fewer in charge of me, the better. Which is why I like limited government. But actually, where a majority of Americans are black, Hispanic, white, outside of the upper income, college educated, is they're socially conservative and fiscally liberal. If you want to do a new party in this country, you find a socially conservative, fiscally liberal party except that's what the republican party is starting to become listen to the rhetoric of of donald trump he doesn't want to take on entitlements he doesn't want to take on social security medicare medicaid he doesn't think they need to be fixed he's actually open to taxing the rich he's not opposed to unionization for blue-collar workers and while donald trump himself is pretty much not a social conservative he gets it and so is uh, filled the bench with pro-life activists, people who don't want boys and girls sports, things like that. Um, you're kind of getting this third party as a remake of the Republican Party, and it's resonating with a lot of non-college-educated workers. And by the way, that transcends race. Hispanic working-class voters tend to align with and identify more as the white working class. And that's a, a profound shakeup of what people have believed in the past. Remember, Democrats forever have said demography's destiny as the country gets less white, the Republican Party's days are over. Actually, as the as the country's gotten less white, the Democratic Party has gotten whiter, and that shifted a lot of non-white Democrats into the GOP. And they like Donald Trump. Look, I, I get it. I, you know, I, I'm not a fan, and it has nothing to do with college education. It, it actually, for me... I mean, it's always been, I just, I, he's, it's the character issue that bothers me. I, and I'm, I recognize that given the choice between Biden and Trump, sure, I prefer Trump's policies. I, I wish I could find a guy who was a, a had better character who, who advocated those things. And, and I, I, I realize I, I'm, I'm, I'm outside where a lot of you are on that. Uh, but given the choice between Biden's policies and Trump's policies, Trump's policies are kind of a no-brainer. I wish we had a different candidate, and maybe we'll. Maybe Hillary or Hillary. <laughs> that get me in trouble. Haley or DeSantis can, in some way, connect with voters. Uh, in New Hampshire, it appears that Haley might. Maybe they can do something tonight. But, but if not, I mean, the inevitable is coming. And it's going to be Trump versus Biden. I was given an interview this morning before radio, and I was telling the the interviewer he was he's kind of surprised that I would be the one to say this. Like, yes, Donald Trump can win. He absolutely can win. I mean, people do not like Joe Biden. They don't like Joe Biden's economy. They're tired of being lectured by Democrats, and they resent like hell the idea that their their daughter may sacrifice a school scholarship to a boy because the boy decided he was a girl so he could get a competitive advantage. Democrats don't seem to understand this. The, the, the wider you are and the richer you are, the less you seem to understand these sorts of issues. For the rest of America, they're common sense. These sorts of issues matter, and they're ones I don't know that the Republicans or the Democrats have come to terms with. The college-educated voters, they're becoming more socially liberal, and they're moving Democrat. 
the working class voter, regardless of race, is becoming more conservative and moving to the GOP. There is one flaw for the Republicans in this, though. Working class voters don't vote as often as college-educated voters. And the Democrats used to have that problem, that their voters would show up in presidential elections but not midterms. And now the GOP, unless they can figure out how to convert non-college-educated voters into a reliable voting group, they're going to have this problem. And, and that's just that's, that's a fact. It's not an opinion. It's the reality. Uh, and it explains, for example, what happened in Virginia in 23, and it happened uh, with the GOP to a degree in 22, is non-college-educated working-class voters show up in presidential elections, but they don't in off-year elections. And the GOP is going to figure out, have to figure out a way to convert them into reliable voters for the GOP in off-year elections to maintain some level of position outside of presidential elections. Now, you're going to need to maintain your position in your office with your computer and technology. You don't want to be down. You don't want to have downtime. You want your computers online and active and, and functioning and able to keep up with the demands of modern business, which is why you should go to Vision Computers. Let them take care of you. Vision can build your computers, save you some money, and keep you online. VisionComputers.com or 404Compute. Call Vision Computers. Tell them I sent you, you get an even better deal. Now, here's the thing. You could go to the big box electronics store. And you could buy the off-the-shelf computer. But one, you're going to have to go back in a few years and get another one because it's going to be outdated. You're going to have to go buy another one. With Vision, they can build you a computer that's upgradable over time. So you're not buying the shells and, and all the other stuff. You're just upgrading as needed. But two, who's going to support that computer? Who are you going to call if you have a question? You don't know how to do something. If you order from Vision Computers, well, they can be that guy. So faster than a Google search, you figure out how to fix your computer, how to do what you want to do on your computer, how to make it fly, and they'll keep you keep you up to date. They'll do it for your business. They'll do it for your home. They'll do it for you. They'll do it for your employees. Build the computers and be your tech support. 404 Compute, that's their number. 404 Compute, call Vision Computers and tell them I sent you. They'll get you an even better deal. You can go to visioncomputers.com, but call them at 404 Compute and tell them I sent you. He's got the courage to tell you the actual truth. Even when it isn't popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. We've gotten a number of calls from people asking if I'll talk about what's happening in Ecuador. Yes, that's actually on the list of stuff to talk about. Uh, stick around for the next hour. We've got to talk about Ecuador and the Houthis. What's happening in Ecuador, It's uh, you're going to see more refugee crisis in this country. The Libs of TikTok account just put this video up. I received this from a source at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Parts of the airport were sectioned off to house illegal aliens. There were too many illegals, and now they've overflowed into the terminal area. The source says they're mostly Hispanic men, was asked not to record. Why are they trying to hide this? They're using O'Hare. Did y'all hear the um, Democratic member of Congress kind of give away the game on why she wants these people? 
I'm from Brooklyn, New York. We have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And I, that, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the inn, I, I'm saying, you know, I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could, could clearly uh, fit here. Got that. She wants them for redistricting to grow the Democratic districts. More on this when we come back. Right now, Omaha Steaks, i got to tell you about them. They're doing their 50% off sale. Time is running out to take advantage of this, though. If you're into meal prep and clean eating this season, you want to up your protein game, there's no better place than Omaha Steaks. They make it easy for you. Great portions, great quality food. You can even get ready-made sides and desserts as well. You can get main courses, too, to pop in the oven and heat up. Take advantage site-wide, 50% off. And then at checkout, if you put in Eric as the promo code, you get an additional $30 off. Minimum order required. It's omahasteaks.com. OmahaSteaks.com, and then you use Eric as your promo code to check out, get an extra $30 off, unbelievable value, unbelievable quality, unbelievable customer service. Get 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not happy with what you've gotten, they will make you happy because that's how they are at Omaha Steaks. I shop a lot at Omaha Steaks. You can too. You go to OmahaSteaks.com, load up your cart, get it sent to your house or to a loved one, and then at checkout, put Eric in as your promo code, save an extra $30. Such a fantastic deal at OmahaStakes.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.